You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. In a sense, they were casting their crowns, their achievements, their status, their identity, their pride, their reputation. They were casting it at Jesus' feet. They were laying their lives before Him and called for His salvation. Save us now. It's a beautiful picture. You see, salvation and reformation happen when we empty or we lose ourselves. Everybody say, lose yourself. How can you fully experience God's presence in your life? How will deep change happen? In today's message, Pastor Dion says that these things will occur when you lay your life down at the feet of Jesus. Rescue and transformation take place when you choose to give up your grip on the things in your life that, though important, vie for the place that God should hold in your heart. Pastor Dion teaches that just as the Jews laid their cloaks before Jesus, you need to surrender your life to Him. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke chapter 19 with today's edition of The Simple Truth. Since the day Jesus was born, He has been living on divine time. He has been living by a divine clock and calendar. Jesus was born on the exact day and hour that God scheduled. He was born in a city and a place that God foretold. And so it's it's on God's schedule, on God's calendar, on God's clock. Jesus was raised in a town and a country that God predestined and to do the work that God had foreordained for him to do. And Jesus was also to die on the day and in the way that God foretold. Crucifixion on the day of Passover. So Jesus has been walking and living on this divine time, on God's divine clock. God's divine clock has been ticking winding down during the ministry of Jesus. The day and the hour of salvation, now at this point in Jesus' life and ministry, the day and the hour of salvation is approaching quickly. There is less than a week left until Jesus is crucified. Look at your neighbor and say, less than a week. He's on this clock, been living by this clock since since the inception. Well, Luke 19 records one of the last scheduled events on God's divine calendar before Jesus' crucifixion. So Jesus has been living on a divine calendar, on a divine clock about prophecies that were spoken in the past. He has been fulfilling every single one of these, living on that divine calendar, that divine clock, and there's only one more prophetic event that is to happen before his crucifixion. Everybody say one more. And that's where we're at in Luke chapter 19. One more event. This event is God presenting his salvation, the Messiah King, to his people. That's the one event that was predicted that's still to happen before Jesus' crucifixion. Now see, God had revealed to the Old Testament prophet Daniel 
He had revealed to him the exact day that the Messiah King would ride into the east gate of Jerusalem. It was an announcement of the Messiah's premiere, of the triumphal entry. In fact, here's the prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. Here's what it says. Read it with me. Now listen, it will be 49 years plus 434 years from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until the Anointed One comes. So, Jesus has been living by this divine clock. There is just one week left before His crucifixion that was also prophesied. But there was one event before the crucifixion that is yet to happen. It was the time where God announced, I am going to present my Messiah on earth in Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. I'm going to present him. Look at your neighbor and say, just one event. So, guys, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, if you break down the math, Daniel gave us the exact day that he would be presented, that God would present the Messiah. And if you break down the math from this scripture, it comes out to 483 years. Daniel says from the time that they decree that they can rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, from that point, there's going to be 483 years or 173,580 days for Jesus to appear or the Messiah to appear. Well, guys, here's what happened. The Old Testament, the Jews had disobeyed and rejected God. They ignored him. So they ended up being besieged by Babylon, taken away captive to Babylon, a remnant of them. Daniel was one of those. He receives this particular prophecy or message from God while he's in Babylon that from the time that they say we can go back and rebuild the temple from that day, there's going to be 483 years before the Messiah is presented in Jerusalem. So what ends up happening is Artaxerxes, because Babylon ends up being overcome by Medo-Persia, and Persia becomes the world power, and Artaxerxes, who is the Medo-Persian king, he's the one that gives the decree the Jews can go back home, and they can go back and build their temple. And that was in 444 B.C., all right? So he gives the command. Now, there's an exact time for the Messiah to be presented. In 444 B.C., Artaxerxes gives the command. And guys, 483 years later, 173,580 days later, on the exact day, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on an untamed donkey. Everybody say, wow, prophecy fulfilled, right? Here it is. Here's the verse. Let's read it. Then Jesus said this. He went on ahead going up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, 
at the mount called Olivet. Now, I'll pause right here. Last week, he was in Jericho. He had crossed the River Jordan, came into Jericho. He was in Jericho, met a little guy by the name of Zacchaeus who was a tax collector. Remember the story? Now he goes over up that particular climb. He comes up. It comes over on the Mount Olives, the Mount of Olivet, and he comes into Bethpage, and right across from Bethpage is Jerusalem. All right? So you can actually see the city of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives right over. And so that's where Jesus is. He sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you, which is from Bethpage to Jerusalem. Go into Jerusalem where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? This is what you shall say to him. Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as Jesus said. The colt was right there. It was exactly where he told them. But as they were loosening the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosening the colt? And they said, "Um, The Lord has need of it. And they said, The Lord has need of him. And then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. All right? So... Jesus is about to fulfill a prophecy that was spoken 483 years before. On the exact day. Look at your neighbor and say, on the exact day. So on the exact day of the prediction, Jesus began his ascent from the Mount of Olives up to Jerusalem through the Eastern Gate or the Beautiful Gate. And guys, from the Mount of Olives, you can see the city of Jerusalem, the Eastern Gate. They used to be open, but they're now sealed because the Muslims, they closed them up. It was Suleiman III that closed them up during the Ottoman period because there's also a prophecy that the Messiah will return again and go through those same eastern gates. So he said, you know what? Jesus is not going to come back and go through these gates. We're going to close them up and prevent him from coming. Well, listen, the Bible says that when Jesus comes again, his second coming, he's going to put his foot on the Mount of Olives. It is going to split in half. I doubt that that little bit of 16 foot of cement and concrete is going to keep Jesus out of the eastern gates of Jerusalem, right? Nevertheless, Jesus is actually on this donkey. They've laid their coats on him. He's riding this untamed donkey into those eastern gates that were open at that time. He's riding them in. And guys, it's another thing that's kind of interesting. It was an untamed donkey colt. Everybody say untamed. Untamed. You know, animals in the Bible, they always did exactly what God wanted them to do. Even the untamed ones. You know what I mean? Even the untamed ones did. It's we stubborn people. Look at your neighbor and say, you burro. Look at him and say, you burro. So Jesus fulfilled prophecy by entering the eastern gate. All right, now listen. Whenever a king would return home after a victorious battle, there would be a celebratory procession, a parade. Everybody said, a what? A parade. The king or general that had been victorious would ride in on a white stallion with trophies in tow. 
They were living conquests. They were impressive specimens, all right, of, of his victories. Citizens of that town or that place would throw roses or aromatic flowers in that king's path. They would give each other high fives and they would shout his praises. We are the champions, my friends. Right? They used to sing stuff like that and and it was a victory chant. Well, on the predicted day, Jesus The king of kings rode into Jerusalem, not on a stallion, but on an unbroken donkey colt, meaning humble and lowly. Everybody said what? Humble and lowly. Jesus rides in on this unbroken donkey with trophies in tow. And the trophies that were following him were transformed lives. Said out loud what? Transformed lives. Those who were once blind or lame or sick or diseased. In fact, remember outside of Jericho, there was a blind man who Jesus healed. He was leaping and praising God, following Jesus as they were walking in. How about Zacchaeus, the little tax guy? He was leaping and praising God, a life who had been transformed. They were following Jesus in to Jerusalem. And all of those that were depraved and adulterers that had been transformed. And so as Jesus approached the city, the crowd began to lay their coats in his path. Let's continue to read there, Luke chapter 19. And as Jesus went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the almighty works that they had seen, saying, read it with me, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. So Jesus, on the exact day that he was supposed to, on the exact day that was predicted and prophesied 483 years before, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem in the eastern gate, crossing from the Mount of Olives across the Kidron Brook all the way up to those eastern gates. And as he's riding into the Kidron Brook, people are becoming ecstatic. People are cheering. And and mostly people who have been following his disciples and a few others. It wasn't thousands upon thousands. It didn't look like a Justin Bieber concert by any stretch, all right? But people are shouting and singing as they're approaching the eastern gate. The eastern gate is the easiest access into the temple mount. There are eight gates around Jerusalem. This one was the easiest directly into the temple area. And so the Pharisees, of course, are hearing these people as they're um, shouting, because like I said, it's, it's almost like the natural amphitheater in that little valley, the Kidron Valley. So as people are shouting, it sounds like an anthem. And they're shouting and singing Jesus' praises as he's riding in. And guys, they begin to spread. The people are spreading their coats. Well, it said their clothing, but it's their cloaks. He's spreading their coats. Guys, the people's coats symbolized their identity, 
their worth, their status. Kind of like a doctor's coat, right? You know he's a doctor. You know what he is, his status, because of the coat he wears. A police officer's vest, a janitor's uniform, a chef's apron, a pro athlete's jersey. Those are their clothing, their robes, their identity. And so in that manner, each of those people were putting their coats, what their status symbol was. Listen, guys, what are the status symbols of our life? Symbols that define us. Our job position, our education, how many followers we have on Facebook or Snapchat. I have 1,436 followers. I have 5,732 followers. Right? How about um, our appearance? Is that the, 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 the symbol that defines us? Our credit score? Our wardrobe? Uh, the subdivision we live in? Uh, our net worth? Or the toys that we have? Or the talents that we have? Those are our status symbols. Well, guys, these worshipers wore their status symbols. It said who they were. It, de 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 it depicted their identity. And here's what they were doing. The worshipers that day, they were throwing their identity and status at Jesus' feet and shouting his praises by saying this. Here's the word. Everybody say it out loud. Hosanna. And the word Hosanna means salvation now. Say it out loud. Salvation now. In a sense, they were casting their crowns, their achievements, their status, their identity, their pride, their reputation. They were casting it at Jesus' feet. They were laying their lives before Him and called for His salvation. Save us now. It's a beautiful picture. You see, salvation and reformation happen when we empty or we lose ourselves. Everybody say, lose yourself. In fact, here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 24. Here's what he says. Read it with me. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now pause right there. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The word lose means to surrender or yield. So guys, the one who believes and receives Jesus will be saved. He's losing his identity, he's emptying himself, and he's laying at Jesus' feet, he's losing his own life, will be, everybody say the word, saved, right? But the verse goes on. But whoever desires to save his life will, everybody say it, lose it. And the word save means to withhold. Whoever desires to save his own life means to withhold or to restrain. To the one who withholds his life from the Lord, he's going to lose it. The one who prohibits himself from believing, he will lose his life. So the one who loses his life will find salvation, but the one who saves his life, retains it, will lose his life. See, if we ignore or reject God's Messiah because of pride or ego or arrogance, or we control, we just, we, I like control. I'm not giving my life up to anything. Or maybe it's unbelief. I don't believe it. If we ignore, reject God's Messiah because of those things, 
We will lose our life to this. Everybody say the word. We will get judged instead of salvation if we withhold. If we save our life, we'll lose it to judgment. In fact, Jesus goes on to say, if you think education is expensive, try ignorance. Well, he didn't say that exactly, but kind of. Let's, let's read it. Now, as he drew near to the gate and to the temple, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. So he's seeing it and he's a little bit distressed. Hardly any people came out. This was a big announcement. Stop and think. If you sent out invitations for a graduation reception, right, or a, a wedding reception, and you sent out invitations and you invited, I mean, a bunch of people, everybody you knew, you invited them, but then they didn't show? Or just a handful showed? You're like, where is everybody? Look at your neighbor and say, where is everybody? God sent out an invitation the exact day it would happen. No one was waiting for it. Only a few. Let's get back. He said, if you had known even you especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, that the Messiah was coming, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. So he tells them, hey, listen, if you ignore the invitation, because you did, he's basically saying, hey, if you save your life, if you withhold your life, you're going to lose it to judgment. And Jesus kind of declares that. He said, because you did. Jesus predicted, listen up, Jesus predicted right here that Jerusalem would be besieged and the temple would be leveled because they ignored and rejected the Messiah. Now some people doubt or question real judgment for ignoring or rejecting Jesus. Not really going to be any judgment. Maybe they should consider this prophecy. You see, in 70 A.D., say it out loud, what? In the year 70 A.D., 35 years after Jesus gave this prediction, Rome besieged Jerusalem. The city and the temple was set on fire. To recover the gold that melted and seeped between the stones and the temple, the Roman soldiers toppled each and every stone of the temple, just as Jesus had said, no stone will be left untoppled. Jesus' life changed history. 
When he came to earth, everything people knew shifted, and a new way of interacting with God began. Jesus shows you how to live, how to love, and how to devote yourself fully to sharing the truth of God's Word. As you continue to discover the details of your incredible Savior's life, we pray you long to be more like Him. Seek Him in all you do, and let Him change your heart to be more like His. We're so glad that you tuned in today for Pastor Dion's teaching in the book of Luke. We'd like to encourage you to spend even more time studying the Word, learning about Jesus' life in this and the other Gospel books. Ask the Holy Spirit to accompany you as you read, and point out the passages that He knows your heart needs to hear. We'd love to pray for you during this series as well, so please let us know how we can specifically be lifting you up to the Lord. Give us a call at 505-753-4363. That's 505-753-4363. Do you live in the Española area? If so, come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. Find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, we invite you to join us virtually through Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. Just follow the link to Facebook that you'll find at tmcalvary.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and join us again next time, right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we proclaim. We'll be fools for you as you work in us. May your power show in the deeds we sow. Let us join our hands, and together we stand. Together